Hello, welcome to another instalment of the Scouted Football Podcast. Uh, the transfer window is in full swing and there have been plenty of clubs making early moves in the window, uh, assembling squads ready to start the new season with some fresh faces. Um, first though, a very important announcement. Um, for a very short time, uh, until stocks last that is, uh, you can finally get your hands on the complete Scouted Football Handbook collection. That's volume 1 through 10. Uh, we've restocked volumes 1 to 3, meaning anyone who has been waiting for them to become available, uh, now's your chance. Um, I'd, I'd say don't miss out. Uh, I mean, as somebody who, who likes to have a full collection of things, uh, it's very nice seeing them all on the on the bookshelf together. Uh, and if you'd like to do that, then head on over to sfhandbook.com to secure your copy. Um Anyway, back to the transfers. In Ligue 1, we've seen the record-breaking transfer of Kamal Dean Suleimana from FC Nordzeland to Stade Rennes, uh, another success story of the Right to Dream Academy in Ghana. Uh, he'll join up with fellow teenage winger Jeremy Doku at Rojan Park, where no doubt they'll become uh, a, a complete nightmare for opposition fullbacks. Um, meanwhile, Nice have added Calvin Stengs, Jean-Claire Todibo and Melvin Barr for under €30 million, Euros, uh, all told, as they somewhat hit the reset button under new, uh, new boss Christophe of Gaultier, who most recently won Ligue 1 with Lille. Um, Ashraf Hakimi, Gigi Donnarumma, as well as Jeannie Wijnaldum, Sergio Ramos and Danilo Pereira are through the door at PSG. Uh, and I think it's fair to say it's mainly been the big clubs making big changes to their squads. Uh, and, and Olympique Marseille are no, no exception. Um, they've added eight new faces to their first team squad, uh, a mixture of loans, loans to buy and, and permanent deals, uh, while the future of arguably OM's most crucial player still hangs somewhat in the balance at the time of recording. Um, fortunately, with me to discuss the goings on at Stad Velodrome, as always, is Mo Ali. Uh, Mo, how are you doing? Pleasure. Uh, always good to be on the podcast. Thanks for the invitation and uh, all good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Glad to hear it. Um, yeah, so getting into sort of Olympic de Marseille, OM, for, for this episode, uh, of, of course, the, the 2020-21 season finished with, um, you know, changes in ownership, changes in, changes in management uh, in, in February. We had Jorge Sampaoli come in uh, and replace Andre Villas-Boas uh, in February as well as a change of ownership. And we had a, a fifth place finish for, for OM in Liga in last season. Uh, however, that was 16 points, some 16 points behind fourth placed Olympique Lyonnais, uh, which is, you know, a, a major deficit in terms of points, especially as well as in terms of goals scored as well for the campaign so there, I think there was definitely some work to be to be done but there were there were encouraging signs towards the end of that campaign after a good start uh, and then a, a, a reasonably strong finish um Mo what was your sort of assessment of, of Sampaoli's beginning uh, of his managerial tenure uh well absolutely I mean first of all you know, I mean, OM did finish 16 points behind uh, Lyon, but this was a Lyon side that was challenging for the title until the penultimate week. Um, so that is, you know, a, still a big, big gap. Um, obviously, what we normally see is that Paris Saint-Germain tend to run away with it. And then uh, it's sort of a competition for the best of the rest. And I think that's what led um, OM to finish second in 2019-20, obviously a season that was curtailed by by the pandemic. Um, but in 2020-2021, in uh, you had four teams chasing the title, all outside of PSG, hitting new points records as well. Um, so the gap wasn't, I think, too dramatic. Um, obviously, Sampaoli came in, in in February after um, a sort of seven-game caretaker period uh, where OM was led by the academy director. Um, and, you know, he's come in at the culmination of the Brazilian season, 
um, where obviously, you know, there's no preseason for him. It's literally straight into the game after a period of isolation. And um, after taking over from Nasser Lage, um, a record of six wins, three draws and, and, and two defeats were, were quite um, acceptable. I think a really, really good good showing. In particular, um, you know, one thing where Marseille struggled with towards the end of the Andre Villas-Boas period was goals. Um, you know, there was no nowhere... Um, no options to score, uh, very low scoring games, um, very rarely scoring more than three. Um, but this became more of a regular occurrence um, after Sam Pauli uh, took over playing in a new formation um, with with uh, obviously the benefit of having Arkadiusz Milik up front, a fit Arkadiusz Milik, um, who missed quite a bit at the beginning since his move from Napoli. Um, and playing three men at the back as well and transitioning uh, Dimitri Payet into a forward partner for, for Milik, but also Florian Tolvan, um, long while being the, the winger, uh, the star winger of OM, uh, playing actually in the right-hand side of a three-man midfield. So plenty of changes. Um, the fixture list was very, um, um, you know, it was very sort of easy for OM uh, towards the end of the season, um, where unlike Lyon and Monaco and Paris Saint-Germain and Lille, who all had to play each other, OM, other than, you know, risky away games at, at Montpellier, at Nice, really had a very sort of simple end to the campaign. So fifth was the goal, obviously, to salvage what had been a very chaotic campaign and the promise of a more European football in, in 2021 and 2022. So I think definitely um, a B sort of B plus for Sam Pauli in his sort of first half season at OM. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that was kind of the, the the viewpoint from from anybody looking from from my perspective, which is somebody who doesn't watch OM every week, but kind of looks on from afar, sort of the big clubs in in most leagues. Um, and it was one which I think could have gone one of two ways. I think it could have gone completely down the pan. Knowing that that San Paoli's style perhaps isn't for everybody, but um, it could. Uh, on, on the flip side, it's gone reasonably well, and you know you'd hope that um, the, the 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 team and the, the a young squad, I think, is is quite important to stress. Um, could build on that. Um, going into to 2021-22, that, that this campaign coming up, obviously, there's been a bit of a bit of work in the transfer market. Do you think that this is a team that's being built for San Paoli, or is it a? I don't know. Is it is it sort of a? a number of good youth products who are perhaps being hastily assembled because I mean for, for somebody like Sam Pauli I feel like it's he'd like to have a say in the players that he's going to work with and to mould. Absolutely I think actually it was a condition of arrival to put it bluntly. Um, I think the initial assessment of Sam Pauli was that this team really isn't in the mould and the the mould of what I want, um, how I can play, I think the initial assessment was actually quite negative of, of the playing stuff for OM um, and I think this came out of an opportune time because a lot of these players were, you know, tied to very expensive contracts. They were coming to the end of those contracts, but also um, were just not really hitting top form. And I think a radical approach was needed, obviously coupled with a change in um, uh, directorship, um, as well as the change in manager. This seemed an opportune time to really uh, start from square one again. And hence that... The reason why Jorge Sampaoli was hired and not someone like um, Vincenzo Montella or somebody else, sort of one, some of those mid-tier managers in Europe, um, is because Marseille had an image where you have to play sort of 
a stylist wash buckling football. I mean, the club's motto is Trois Ubu, which is straight to the goal, and the fans um, are sort of adamant to play entertaining, exciting football. And they've been hankering for a long time, I think, as we discussed. Um, I think on one of my previous appearances on this podcast is, you know, Marcelo Bielsa's um, sort of year in Marseille had left a, a very, very good um, recollection to OM fans. I mean, they they miss him still. They're hankering for his style of football. And really in San Paolo, they've got the very next best thing. Obviously, in Bielsa's words, he says that San Paolo is someone that's actually better than him and someone that spots these own flaws better than, than the Leeds manager ever does. But... You know, this this was a very clear break in sort of the approach in terms of playing style, in terms of the type of players that they go after. Um, and really, it's built with, with San Paolo in mind. And I think alongside uh, the new president, a very young president, Pablo Longoria, who has a very good background in, in scout uh, scouting and uh, being a director of football at, at Valencia, at Newcastle, Atlanta, and Juventus. Um, this seemed like a you know a, a very good time to really rip up the playbook and start again, um, and hence why you see uh, a trust in youth, exciting players on paper, players of potential, and I think coupled with with the pandemic and other financial issues, um, really players that are available quite cheaply or, or, or getting them um, with very intricate complex financial. Um, methods, as we saw with the signing of uh, Arkadio Schmilek in, in in January, where OM um, essentially are paying eight to ten million euros for a player that really could have gone for thirty, forty a year ago, um, while initially on an eighteen month loan deal. So it's it's very it's very an exciting time. I mean, they're they're taking a very bold uh, new approach, and not just Sam Howley, but the the president Pablo Longoria, um, who's very hands on. Um, with the identification of players as well. Um, and, I mean, I think everyone is very excited. Obviously, you know, there are risks to this as well, as we saw um, in, in Tottenham uh, seven, eight years ago, obviously with the Gareth Bale money, 100 million euros, they bought in seven, eight players, um, and they found it very difficult to gel that season. And obviously that was surprisingly also under Andre Villas-Boas, the former Marseille boss. Um, but this is very much um, a Marseille team that is... You know, making people in Europe sit up uh, with their methods in their transfer market this summer. It's a bold approach. It's it's something that's exciting the fans. They saw tidbits of Sam Pauli's attacking prowess. Um, obviously, with Sam Pauli, he, he recognised that some of these players aren't fit to play how I want to play. Hence, the stopgap three five two or five three two formation that he's he 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 put in. But in 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 you know, in the friendly matches that we're seeing at the moment and come the first game of the season next month, we're going to be seeing a team very much in his image. Perfect, yeah. I mean, everybody wants to see a, a team who play um, play football in, in Sao Paulo's image because it is, it's it's a derivative of, of the likes of Marcelo Bielsa and, you know, it, it kind of, it's... It's expansive. It's it's daring. Um, it's 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 brave. It's courageous. And and I think a lot of the time people are, are sort of enveloped by football like that. And um, I think it's yeah the signings that that Marseille have made uh, is definitely um, definitely one one of interest. And obviously that's something we're going to get onto now. And the first on my list is 
He's actually a player who's no longer 23 and under, but has most recently turned 24 years old. Um, but he was featured in uh, a previous scouted football handbook. Uh, that's Gerson from uh, Flamenco, who originally came over to, to Europe uh, as a youngster, uh, came over, joined Roma, uh, didn't really take off in the way that it was sort of envisaged, uh, went on loan to, to Fiorentina, didn't really kick on there either and, and returned to Brazil, uh, where he since uh, has won the Brazilian, uh, the Brasileiro um, twice uh, with Flamenco. Um, and yeah, he's, he's just a very, very good player. I think he's somebody who, for the fee that has been paid, uh, roughly around 25 million euros, it's quite a, an investment. It's quite a show of faith in Gerson. Um, and I also think that it's perhaps under his market value. I know he's coming from Brazil, but I think it's perhaps that he is on, he's probably a 30, 35 million pound player if if he was perhaps had the, the, the spotlight shone on him a little more because his, his progressive capability is, is is quite immense. You know, he's a very good dribbler. He's a very good carrier. He's very good at beating players. He's very good at drawing fouls. He's very good at getting his frame in between the man and the ball. Um, but he's also good at getting the ball into the final third through, purely through passing, um, which I think sometimes is... You, you you often get one or the other with these types of players. If they're progressive, they're usually a good dribbler, a good carrier, or they're a good passer. Um, not not both, but I think Gerson has a you know he's 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 a dual threat in that aspect. Is is Mo? I want to come to you. Is that is that a, 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 the type of player that the OM have been missing in 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 the past few months, perhaps under San Paoli? Is that somewhere where it was very much a, a first priority? Absolutely. I mean, it's exactly what you described. Um, Marseille have not had a player in his profile for quite um, a while. I mean, the closest would have been Maxime Lopez, who went to Sassuolo last summer. But even then, you know, sort of his shine had been dropping off um, for, for quite a while. I mean, with, with Gerson, I mean, Marseille don't spend £25 million, um every summer. That's It's a club that very doesn't think that actually with Gerson, it'll be the second or third most expensive signing of all time for the club. Um, and at a time, obviously, where the pandemic is still hurting the finances and obviously the, the, the TV deal, it seems a very big bet by um, Frank McCourt and the club to uh, to really put their bet in in a, in a play. And they've identified him because of his strong performances in Brazil. I mean, this is a player that hasn't done really well in, in his first stint in Europe in, in Italy with Roma and Fiorentina. And going back to Brazil has really ignited his career. Um, in, in, in the current sort of team in midfield, Valentin Rongier um, and previously Morgan Sanson, um, who since went to Aston Villa in January, were sort of the number eight sort of type players, but either weren't proficient, as you said, um, across a broad range of skills. They didn't have the strong skill set that Gerson does. I mean, in Rongier, a very good passer, but certainly not progressive at all. And with, with Sanson, very progressive, but not having any sort of um, defensive capabilities, unable to, um, to 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 be tenacious in the middle of the park, um, and really, this is somebody that was sort of a, a mini number ten who was a bit jilted by the fact that Dimitri Payet had consumed his position. So he became sort of a you know a person that's never really had the rub of the green in his favourite position in in the Marseille midfield. Hence his eventual sale, um, and obviously other other play, players in the midfield. Um, you know, Bubakar Kamara, we've spoken about him before on, on the pod. Um, you know, a converted centre-back, again, not a player that has sort of the vision and, and the, uh, you know, the, the, the eye to, to, to really progress forward and, and contribute to the attacking phases of play. So this is certainly, there's certainly been a Gerson-shaped hole in the Marseille midfield for a lot and hence why they've been ready to shell 
um, out some serious money for him because obviously I think a, a strong uh, season or two that 25 million can really be doubled very very easily mm, certainly yeah that was everything that sort of came across in Brazil and and the nature of of, of Copa Libertadores football which is I mean mainly what I was able to, to see of him in Brazil is that it is a perhaps a little bit more open a little bit more expansive and Gerson really shone in those in those areas but I think the the fact that Marseille have been able to to snare him from there and, and have taken the leap of faith you know it's 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 not often that a player will come to Europe and then return to to South America to then return back to Europe once again a lot of teams feel as though that's an unnecessary risk and 25 million is a considerable outlay but they've clearly seen that there's they there's there's been enough there for them to place this faith in him um Moving on to, to the next player, uh, and it's another South American, but this player has been in Europe for, for a little while now, and, and he was actually on loan at, at OM last season, uh, but really came to the fore uh, under Sampaoli in the latter po- portion of the season. That was Leonardo Balerdi, who is uh, centre-half uh, and uh, was, was playing predominantly as part of a, a back three, as, as is customary with Sampaoli. Um he he came on loan from Borussia Dortmund. Uh, I think it was a, a, around a one million euro loan fee. Uh, that looked to be a bit of a, I mean, a very minuscule but very uh, but wasted investment, somewhat to to the point of up to around February March time. But after that, he he proved to be a very useful player for for OM. Um, he signed permanently for for eleven million euros uh, this summer, which I think. Based on when the, the I don't want to say hype, but sort of the intrigue when he was first signed by Borussia Dortmund, I think it's not a not a bad fee at all. Um, it may be a little bit inflated given that he hasn't played an awful lot for him, but um, I think in time again, as you were, as you were saying with with Gerson, um, that you know that that fee could quite easily be doubled when the the market returns to its um, pre-COVID state. Um, what what was it about Bellardi though that that made him? You know, go from very much a a bit part player under Vias Boas to to becoming a, a almost a, an ever present, almost a mainstay with São Paulo last year. Yeah, so I think with with Andre Vilas Boas in particular, when Belardi was signed, this was a player that he he, he specifically targeted. Um, and again, you know, Marseille being in sort of austere mode had identified players that they could grab on loan or, or had sort of a bit of a future and they could sort of rank in the in, in the purchase option. And as you mentioned, Belardi has barely played for Borussia Dortmund and, and in previously Boca Juniors. I've never seen somebody really rise up the ranks, obviously also getting an Argentina cap by playing less than 30 career first-team career games um, at all. So it was very sort of a peculiar move. And I think in, these, in, in the first game... Um, for for Marseille last season, which was the three uh, two win away to Brest, this was a um, a match where um, another sort of informed defender, Duye Chalatasar, scored scored twice. Belardi was very much very very shaky, and actually um, really struggled in that game. Looked very very um, easily brushed off the ball. I think his really introduction to league now, which is still a quite physical league with imposing um, defenders and uh, Sort of very rough and tumble. Uh, he didn't have the rubber of the green, and for some reason, in 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 the next game, uh, he didn't feature in, in the one 0 win against Paris Saint Germain. But in the next game, he was shifted to left back, and again looked even worse. Um, only managed forty five minutes. Was was hauled off. Uh, it was a game that Marseille lost at home, and and that was that. He scored on his next appearance, but by then he was consigned to a bit part rollers as Villas Boas was very comfortable with playing four at the back and obviously with Alvaro and Chaleta Saar being in front of him. That all changed later on um, in the campaign when um, obviously 
um, Sampaoli came in and reverted to three man. Obviously, thought that Belardi playing on the left um, hand side of the central three um, again, you know, had very very interesting capabilities. Um, having two defensive partners, but also being more mobile and more pacey than his 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 compatriots, that you know, he added another dimension to the game, and this was that something where he he shined in quite a bit. He really enjoyed a very strong finish uh, to the campaign, and with the expected departure of Diego um later on this summer, maybe to West Ham, maybe somewhere else in the Premier League. Um, Oema certainly hoping for his departure, not because he's not a decent defender, but he's one of the more bankable players in that team. Um, signing Belerdi on loan um, now permanently um, seemed the next shrewd move. I mean, his second half of the season was um, very, very good, um, particularly in the three. And I think that's the first inclination that we're going to be seeing that um, Marseille will be reverting to a three-man uh, defence. It'll be 3-4-3 three, three or 3-5-2. Three, in 21-22, and they've actually got two more defensive signings to complement um, Berlardi. He's looked more assured. He's really now getting um, a sustained run in the first team, a lot more match experiences. Has grabbed two goals as well this season, which is which is a, a you know decent return. Um, and it really is onwards and upwards. And again, with, with more first-team football under the belt, this could be um, a very shrewd move. Obviously, this is a guy that's not completely off... The radar for, for for Argentina and obviously with the 2022 World Cup now coming inside, that will be a massive target for him. Mm-hmm. Certainly, yeah, I completely uh, agree with you there. And it's interesting to see that he went from being uh, expendable to being somewhat indispensable, and and has now sealed that permanent move. Should be um should be good for him. He's he's only 22 years old, so still um very young and and still young enough to get plenty of uh, football under his belt. Um, moving on to a little bit further up the pitch, and and obviously we've we've discussed Gerson in in midfield and and Balerdi at, at centre half, and uh, now on to the wings and and um in sort of the the San Paoli rebuild, the San Paoli surgery that is being done to this squad. Um, Conrad De La Fuente has been signed from Barcelona, or rather Barcelona B, for around €3 million. Euros. And this is, of course, a, a, a lower a lower value. Uh, this is, of course, a, a less expensive uh, transfer than the other two, but it's one which has, you know, you know, huge potential. It has has very, very big upside. I think uh, it's a name. I mean, De La Fuente, or rather Conrad, as, as he's colloquially known, uh, is a name that's been mentioned a bit, um, but not ever really threatened the the, the Barca hierarchy really, uh, and for obvious reasons. Um, he's, he's made, I think, three or four senior appearances there. But at 20 years old, I think it's definitely the the point for him to be moving on with players ahead of him in the pecking order being moved on, the likes of Francis. Trincao and, and the like um, but obviously this summer with Barcelona's financial situation they've needed the cash and no matter how small those injections are three million will will certainly benefit them even in, in very small terms um, I think for, for Marseille though three million is a good deal because this is a player who's been very highly rated um, you know you don't go and play for, for Barcelona if you're not a good player unless you're perhaps I don't know Dimitro Chigrinsky or somebody Um but I'd imagine there there probably will be some some add-ons or, or clauses in this deal. Um, with Conrad, though, he's he he I'd still say he's a little bit unrefined. Um, he's his first touch perhaps can can let him down, but he's very very dribbly. Uh, he will take on his man at will every every time, um, which sometimes can be at a detriment to himself or his own team. Um, 
I, I'm interested to see how this works with with Sampaoli because obviously, as you were saying earlier, Mo, there was the the three five two, the sort of the set menu three five two that that the, he employed, or a variation of that with perhaps a three one four two or a three four one two. I think in those wide positions, I'm not entirely sure he'd be secure in defensive phases. I think there needs to be some work done there. Unless you thought that you know there wasn't really going to be too much emphasis on on defending for for those advanced wide players in in the season to come, um, I certainly think it's it's an exciting move. It's some it's it's somewhere where I think he definitely will get the opportunity to play regular football. But um, I, I'm I'm intrigued to see what kind of role you think that he's going to play under Sampaoli. Absolutely, I think this might be a case of player trading in 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 play. I mean, there's no sort of ob- obvious perhaps reason why De La Fuente has been signed, maybe in particular to sort of be the, the key winger. Um, but again, this is a move that doesn't seem high risk. That is a player that really has, you know, a bit of potential. And obviously this has come at a time when Barcelona are looking to offload players, even if, you know, it comes from their youth teams or B teams um, for, for, for a bit of a fee. And I think they've protected themselves by in, including what, I understand to be a, I think a fifty percent buyback or 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 fifty percent clause where they will receive half of any sort of future profit. Um, and, but with with De La Fuente, I mean, he he, I watched the friendly against Servette um, on Sunday where Marseille won three one. He came on at the hour mark, um, and really his half an hour cameo was excellent. Two assists, both for for Dario Benedetto, and he looked quite electric. And I think. Obviously, there's not a lot to go on, but what Marseille have linked is a little bit of sorry have 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 missed is a a direct winger, you know, a player that is not afraid to take on his man, who's very potent, who who has the eye for goal, and is not sort of static or, or slowing down play on the wing. Um, you know, Dimitri Pite has played extensively on the wing. Um, in the last season, whereas you know we all know him to be more excellent down the middle as a number ten, and while he sort of drifts to the left, he can sort of slow down play. You know, looking to create um, avenues, maybe waiting for the overlap, etc. What what Marseille haven't seen for a while is having that pacey winger who's able to be sort of he's able to take on men with both you know with with, with both feet and and really be progressive in in the final third. Um, and that's exactly the role that he played on on Sunday. Um, he he very well may replace Nemanja Radonjic, who was signed uh, two seasons ago and has been loaned out to Hertha Berlin in January. He's, he's, he's somebody that Marseille might seek to cut his losses because while he did have sort of a bit of a renaissance um, in his performance before he moved to Hertha, there, I don't think that there's there's anything there. Obviously, with Le Fuente, a very low cost player. Um, a player that has his own sort of career objectives on the fringes of the USMNT. Um, this 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 could be a very very good move, and I think in particular, obviously, with the club being under American ownership, having only the second American player in fifty years um, at the club uh, seems like a, a very very good opportunity as well. Um, he he's been he's been hyped. He's come on. I think he's played three or four times for Barcelona's first and sub appearances. There's clearly a player there. And I think there's there's no better place to be, um, you know, with a coach like Sam Pauli, a coach that really uh, puts attacking football on the forefront and really gives you the tools to develop. So let's see how it goes. I mean, there's going to be tougher friendly fixtures 
coming up, which he, he's expected to be sort of in the forefront. There are they are against Braga and Benfica, and then Villarreal come to Marseille um, in a couple of weeks before the season begins. So and we could see, you know, sort of where he's at. Yeah, certainly it'll be a a one where we we see how how quickly he develops. Whether we see that 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 integration into the first team is is is, is immediate or it's a gradual one. Um, but obviously, promising early signs in preseason, regardless of the opposition, um, are always going to be well received, especially on this podcast, which champions young players, of course. Um, Speaking of championing young players, as somebody who's who's had a bit of a rough ride recently, and some perhaps Arsenal fans of a certain persuasion may disagree with me uh, on this one, but a player who has had a, a he's been given the cold shoulder a little bit by Mikel Arteta, uh, and and it looks as though that there's been some finality in that aspect, um, and you know there's there there are elements where you know he is somewhat deserving given that his his behaviour is ill discipline as it's been reported as kind of helped him to be pushed out of the club. But Matteo Guendouzi, 22 years old now, uh, is coming from Arsenal uh, alone with an option to buy. Um, the, the option, it's been rumoured or it's been widely reported, in fact, that, that it's around 10 million euros, which I think is is quite quite low considering his experience um, at Premier League level and, and now in the Bundesliga having been on loan at Hertha Berlin as well. Um, obviously, there have been disciplinary issues in the past um, with, with Guendouzi and that's sort of the, the straw that broke the camel's back with Arteta um, as, as many people will know, um, he's obviously coming to to Marseille uh, with with a manager like Sampaoli, who can be something of a firebrand. Um, I, I mean, there there are, there are options. There are other options in in that sort of uh, six slash eight defensive midfield role uh, that that Marseille have. But do you see that this is very much a a project by to, to sort of I don't know maybe. Um, for both both parties, as in Marseille, as well as uh, Guendouzi, to to perhaps help each other, um, Guendouzi to to kickstart his career once again, and, and Marseille to to really get their hands on a on a really promising, very very talented young player uh, in, on in on pitch terms at least um, to to help Marseille for, for for you know what will ultimately prove to be peanuts if they end up signing him for ten million. Yeah. So. This year, I mean, the fee is quite excellent. I think that's what ten million euros, eight million, eight point five million pounds, um, and it looks to be something that definitely is very attainable come the the end of the twenty one twenty two season. Um, I think with with Grandizzi, you can sort of see a, a bit of a trend of how Marseille have approached their uh, transfer window again, identifying players that might not be um, getting um, clear path to first team football. Uh, but really on paper do look like very, very good prospects, have very good profiles and could be bets that are more or less very achievable. And if they do pay off, can be quite rewarding to, to Marseille. I think Guendouzi embodies that very uh, completely. I mean, this is a guy that two seasons ago transitioned excellently from Ligue 2 football to making 48 appearances for Arsenal um, across the Premier League and Europa League under Unai Emery. Uh, it showed very good versatility in the middle of the park. Um, again, this is a guy that was at the time nineteen twenty, and really showed quite maturity on the field to to really um, acclimatise to life in the Premier League. Um, obviously, what's gone on since with the altercation with Neil Mopai, and obviously, I think um, the general conduct, quote unquote, that's been cited by Mikel Arteta and as a reason for his exclusion, um, can be, I think, relatively, unfair, I think, a little bit unfair, and I think. Um, Obviously, coaches have every right to choose who's in their squad or not and can make decisions, but this is still a very, very good player who clearly has the ability to shine um, in, in, in top teams. 
Um, and I think after a sort of relatively decent sojourn in, in the Bundesliga with her to Berlin, he's he, she's shown that he's he's able to to take on the next challenge. And at Marseille, it could be the perfect place. I mean, this is not a club that takes kindly to people that are acting up. Um, he will be given um, absolute chances to succeed in his home country. I mean, there's very few demanding places like Stade Velodrome on a match day. Um, and he'll be expected to really become an emblem, um, a key figure in, in that midfield. So with a firebrand coach, as you mentioned, like Jorge Sampaoli, I mean, this is a guy that's not going to be taking anything um, for, for granted. He's not going to be accepting any sort of um, ill discipline. And I think with Guendouzi, he recognises that having been frozen out on Arsenal, the chance to really make a name for himself in his home country with one of the biggest clubs in that country and, and sort of try and hit the heights where he was sort of named in the France national squad a couple of uh, months ago to sort of put himself in that contention again. Um, again, you know, his his characteristics really speak for themselves. Um, and I think if OM are able to overcome sort of the off-the-field issues, I mean, they've got themselves, again, a very, very good player. This is, again, a transfer that can really, really pay off um, in 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 one or two years, um, as long as uh, Guendouzi is able to really just focus on 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 his ability and on the task at hand. Just quickly on on Guendouzi, you know, obviously the, I, I'm briefly mentioned there. There were a few options uh, to to San Paoli in the middle there. Um, what do you see his sort of his preferred formation being, and, and especially with with the makeup of these central midfielders? You know, there's Papu Gue, there's there's Guendouzi, there's Gerson, there's Buba Kamara. Provided that you know he he isn't sold, and we obviously that's likely to to happen. Obviously, we're we're going to get onto that as well as Valentin Rongier. You know, what is what do you envisage being the the preferred sort of midfield partnership or, or trio? I think it'll be three five two or three four three. Um, obviously, I think we understand that it's going to be sort of three centre backs as we discussed at the top of the call, um, and with the 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 wingers being Paul Irola, who's about to sign resign from from Fiorentina and Jordan Mavi, it's going to be two or three guys in midfield. And both Guendouzi and Gerson are, are sort of more the progressive types, the, the, the comfortable uh, players on the ball that are able to to you know play box to box and and really carve out uh, openings for, for the front guys. Um, I think you'll probably more likely see Guendouzi and Gerson playing together very extensively this season. Kamara will be sold um, or hope to be sold eventually with Pap Gabe being that defensive option, being the uh, secondary option. I think with Ronji in particular, these are guys who I don't think have shown the best of their ability to San Paoli um, in, in, in the four or five months that he's been there so far. And I think from the start, maybe playing a very secondary role. Um, we will, that remains to be seen, but I think Guendouzi and Gerson, you'll be seeing them play together quite a bit because of their versatility and because of their attacking attributes. That was kind of the, the answer that I was, I was angling for there. I'm quite pleased with that because I think it does make for a quite an interesting combination and interesting partnership. Um, but we've we've obviously discussed uh, Matteo Guendouzi there, but um, I mean, a, an Arsenal teammate, but in the loosest sense of the word, teammate uh, of his uh, is William Saliba, uh, who obviously signed for, for Arsenal in 2019. But there were, I mean, complications and he ultimately has not 
and ended up becoming an Arsenal player for for you know the the twenty nine twenty thirty million euro fee that that was that was paid for him. He's obviously been out on on loan to to Nice last season. He impressed there. Um, still just twenty years old. I think OM can 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 you know count themselves count themselves lucky that they've they've been able to snare yet another young exciting young player. Uh, this one is just a straight loan from Arsenal as opposed to the loan with option to buy with Guendouzi, but. Yeah, I mean Saliba is a, is a player who needs regular football at that stage, at this stage in his career. Um, you know, he's a fantastic ball player, great, great distributor from deep, um, very comfortable on the ball, very composed. Um, you know, he's very, very good at playing out, very good at carrying the ball. Um, you know, he's he, he seems quite well rounded, uh, and it's very difficult to bypass in defensive phases as well. So, I think there's not a great deal of downside to this move um, for for OM because they're getting a very high potential. Uh, defender here, and they're, they're, they're not. I mean, there's there's no option to buy, of course, because Arsenal uh, keep insisting that he's part of their future plans. But their their activity and their action shows that he perhaps isn't. Um, I mean, wh- how do you see Saliba being used this season uh, with with OM? Do you think he's he's going to be um, you know he's, is he going to be suited in in a back three? Um, you know, is he going to play on the left or the right through the middle? How do you envisage Sampaoli using him? Yeah, it's a it's a very weird one. Um, I think sort of Saliba's um, trajectory. I think I think has been a little bit unfair um, as to how it's been treated. I mean. I, that you can see with his former teammates, uh, Wesley Fofana, being given sort of the time and the ability and the space to develop, um, and he's obviously smashed it for for um, for, for Leicester City. Um, and I think Saliba's been slightly wronged here um, in in being <laughs> sort of unable to sort of replicate that. Um, obviously, for for Nice in January uh, to to May. He has been playing in in the back four together with uh, Jean Claire Todibo, who um, another sort of uh, talent in, in, at the back for France, um, France youth teams anyway, but also um, for, for Nice online from Barcelona. He he excelled. He was very very excellent for the reasons that you've mentioned. His, his style of play has been uh, very well suited for Ligue 1. This is a league that he knows very very well. This is a, a four month sort of stint that he was quite lauded in one player of the month. Uh, for Nice, um, so again, this gives Marseille another really, really good option to take. Um, again, he would have be exposed to European football. He'll be exposed to a team that's trying to fight and try and reclaim the Champions League spaces. It will be a, a bit of a high intensity team, and obviously, in in, in the in the context of Jorge Sampaoli, will be um, a coach that requires probably a lot more of you, um, and will play in in the back three. And I think. Um, it will be down the middle, I suspect, because of his sort of towering uh, profile and his his aerial ability. Um, we've seen Alvaro play the right side, and obviously this Aliba play on the left side. So I think that this is um, a person that will come in and play down the middle. Obviously, with with the uh, replacing of of Shaletta Saab this summer, um, that's where we were sort of seeing him. Um, come into the squad. He'll play, I think, his first minutes for OM tomorrow in a friendly against against Braga. So we'll see sort of how how he uh, develops then. But you know, this is again like Guendouzi, like uh, Belerdi, and the likes. This is a, a you know a player that's been on the market for for a while. That's not really well loved in North London, despite Arsenal spending thirty million euros. Um, and flirting with other players uh, for significantly higher price, even though 
he has the ability to really perform in in in, in tough situations and has done for for two uh, decent uh, league on sides already. And I think he will bring that form um, over back to the south of France with with Marseille. And I think um, the fact that there's no buy buy clause, um, Arsenal have have really sort of seen the fact that Marseille are willing to take him on, and they're not thinking of loaning him to a lower Premier League side or, or maybe at the top of the Championship, as was the case 12 months ago, that they're, they're really keen to see him him develop and um, really try and get something back of the investment. Um, obviously, that all remains to be seen, but um, it really is a good opportunity for him to to really not stay too far from Mikel Arteta's thoughts. Yeah, it's it's an opportunity for him at the very least, isn't it? It's um it's one where he's he's very much still going to be in in the, I mean in in the the BDI of of Mikel Arteta, if you will. I mean he's going to be playing European football, you'd imagine, obviously with Marseille uh, qualifying for the Europa League last season. Um, so he's he's already one up to Arsenal in that respect. Um, but yeah, he's uh he's he's somebody who I'm very excited to see with a full season under his belt at um at OM uh, because I I, I do. I mean, I don't want to tempt fate, but with the signings, I'm, I'm I'm hoping that a full year with San Paoli, I'm forecasting perhaps a breaking back into that 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 French elite. Um, obviously, a big factor in that, a breaking back into the French elite, will be whether OM managed to retain or get a, a very very handsome fee for for Boubacar Kamara, who still is just 21 years old. Um, obviously, it's something we discuss all the time on on this podcast. Um, whenever you whenever you join us, Mo, um, but it's the future. Of, of Kamara because you know we we say it all the time you know he, he's a player who is probably playing at a Champions League level at the moment you know he's he's a fantastic scanner both footed um you know defensive volume is is very impressive he's very good across multiple positions um but over the past year or so past year to, to 18 months has, has established himself as a very high level defensive midfielder very very adept number six um I think the the assumption is that you know, Matteo Ganduzi coming in will probably be a contingency plan for for Kamara going out the other way. Um, now, all that remains is whether they can, in this COVID-affected marketplace, uh, glean a, a reasonable uh, a fee that which is reflective of his of his importance on this Marseille team. Um, I think it's it's going to be difficult replacing him. I know that the the business so far has been impressive, but. I mean, just just how difficult is it going to be to replace Kamara uh, if he does end up moving moving on this summer? And and where do you think he potentially could go to? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you've you've you know, you've seen me wax lyrical about him. Um, he's a he's a he's a player that um, has looked more and more comfortable in in, in defensive midfield, in, further up the field. And um, again, this is not a position that he he particularly likes. He sees himself as more of a centre back and. Uh, sees his sort of best ability at centre back, so that's credit to him for the fact that he's quite versatile in two positions. Um, but that has actually, in recent times, gone against him. I mean, he was a surprise mission for the Under Twenty One European Championship Finals for France, um, and that's only because the the French national team had, um, you know, players who were perhaps distinctly more experienced at centre back than. Than he was. I mean, I think you had, uh, you know, Pamecano, you had uh, Bradia Chile, who, 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 and Konate, um, who, uh, who had decent seasons in, in in Germany and obviously for Monaco as well. And then in midfield, you had Chouameni, who was probably one of the standout players in his positions in in the game for Monaco this season. Uh, Bubakari Sumare, who 
obviously won the title, and Eduardo Camavinga. So he was sort of stuck in a bit of a no-man's land, um, which was quite a surprising uh, place for him to be. So, the, you know, these things may come to a head uh, very soon. And I think if he does end, uh, you know, end up with a future outside of Marseille, uh, he might end up playing for a manager who maybe sees him more at centre-back or more definitively in, in centre midfield. And if it's, if it's the latter... I think he has perhaps some work to do to sort of close the gap to uh, those players that I I mentioned because there's obviously a huge range of competition in those positions, um, not just for the national team, the A team, but also for the under twenty one team, um, which is a shame because he does you know he does play both roles very very well for OM the latter in particular in the Champions League this season only one of the um, you know few standout players. Um, for for the club in what otherwise was a very forgettable campaign, um, and has shown really really good ability, um, as a society sort of really struggled to sort of obtain that fifth place. Um, Sam Pauli loves him a lot. Uh, he looked very very good at the weekend against Servette FC of of Geneva, um, and perhaps has looked surprisingly more attack minded, um, which was quite surprising. I think what what people are noticed in that friendly game. So. Again, I think we'd love to keep him, um, which is great. But, you know, money talks. And I think um, he's going to be the first name perhaps out of the door as now the club has signed those eight or so players that we've talked about. Um, the, the next few weeks will be focused on sales and, and Camaro will be at the top of the list. Um, obviously, I think we just see in the market at the moment that it's quite a slow market, um, you know, people may not have the money they're trying to front up and moves are maybe contingent on other moves. Um, so it, 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 it remains to be seen. Guardiola of Man City has obviously been a long-time admirer. We've seen a couple of other Premier League clubs show interest. Um, in particular, we've seen some rumours of, of Monaco um, perhaps spending, being ready to spend 30 mil to poach uh, Kamara from obviously a, a rival. Um, and if so, that would create a very, very interesting midfield. Um, obviously, they've got Fofana and Charmeni and having Camara, I think they might have the French midfield of tomorrow, which could be a, a very, very interesting proposition um, for, for Niko Kovac going into 21-22. Um, but that obviously remains to be seen. I think a lot of it is in the air at the moment. So the next few weeks will be quite crucial for him. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's one of those moves which I think we'll see play out uh, over the course of the the transfer window because of the 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 likely disconnect between what OM value him at and and also what what teams are willing to to pay given that there are other options out there as well, perhaps more fashionable ones even though that that seems to be, you know, very very misguided to say the least. But um that's that's everything from us on this week's Scouted Football podcast. Uh, we've discussed Gerson, Leonardo Balerdi, Conrad De La Fuente, Ma- Matteo Ganduzzi, William Saliba uh, as as Olympique de Marseille's incomings and, and Buba Kamara his likely outgoing uh, a jam-packed transfers episode if ever there was one um thank you for tuning in as ever uh, do remember to get over to sfhandbook.com for those back editions of the scouted football handbooks um, complete your collection or get your hands on your very first copy um all that's left to say is thank you to mo always the best source when it comes to, to OM. thanks mate thanks very much thank you very much for tuning in this has been the scouted football podcast with me joe donahue stay safe take care bye for now